What's up, everyone? I want to tell you a story today about the events leading up to me almost not getting my A1C checked out of fear. Now, this episode is sponsored by the Warriors Tribe, an online community for people like us who want to learn more about, connect, and share everything we've learned and experienced as diabetics. And you can find the sign-up for the waitlist at membership.ftfwarrior.com. We have a special little surprise you at the end of the episode, too. So we'll see you guys there. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandervecht, and with my co-host Ali Abdul-Kareem, we welcome you to Pardon My Pancreas. So in today's episode, I want to share with you guys uh, a little bit of a rough patch for me. So it started a couple weeks ago where I had a couple of pretty gnarly blood sugar readings. Uh, it started out with a period of time where I was traveling, didn't have a whole lot of time to work out and exercise, and I think that's what led into some higher numbers than I was used to seeing. So I was seeing an average of you know, 170, 180, wasn't really going below 110 unless it was at night, you know. Uh, it was a little bit weird, but I didn't think too much of it till the next week. The second week, I started seeing numbers that were up in the 200s, 250, 300. I finger stuck myself once and tested it. It was at 340. And uh, man, it was, it was difficult to see that because I haven't seen numbers that high in a long time. And uh, for me, of course, my analytical mind is thinking, what could possibly be going on, right? Like, that's not normal for me. And of course, maybe I skipped those uh, couple of days here and there in the gym because I was traveling, road tripping. Maybe that had something to do with it. I wasn't strength training as often, uh, but now I am. Now I'm exercising again, I'm back in my routine. This doesn't make sense. Why am I seeing these numbers? And uh, so I started to think back over, you know, okay, I have my pump site in my leg. My legs are notorious for being a little bit more insulin resistant. I have some localized resistance there potentially, but that can't be the reason why I'm seeing this because you have to understand after every meal, I would start each meal, 110, 120, it would be great. And then I just skyrocket. I would pre-bolus, right? I would eat, I would eat slowly. I did everything that I was supposed to do, everything that I usually do. And yet, instead of staying stable and in range, I was seeing my numbers hit 250, 270, 300, and get stuck there, stay. And so, during that week, I found out a way to kind of hack the system, if you will, where if I waited more than 15 minutes to eat, so more than my normal pre-bolus, normally I only pre-bolus about 10 to 15 minutes, um, and you know, I'm usually done eating by the 30 minute marker, somewhere in there, but what I tried to do was I would wait about 20 minutes to eat and I would eat very, very slowly. So I wasn't done eating usually until about an hour later, an hour after I had bolused. And that way I was able to stay relatively stable, but it still was blowing my mind. I should not have to take that long to eat just to see stable blood sugars. And so, you know, while exercise may have played a small role, I thought over my foods, of course. You know, am I eating complex carbs full of fiber? Yes. Am I having fats and proteins that should be slowing the absorption? Yes. Am I having so much fat that it's keeping my numbers high? No. You know, I didn't change anything drastically in my diet. 
Uh, my exercise was back in routine. I was sleeping fine. I was drinking lots of water. And so over the course of these two weeks, I started to think over it and you know, I changed my sights back and forth. Um, there was one night where I hit 300, which again, for me, is not normal. I was very frustrated uh, at myself. I, I took that very personally and I had an emotional reaction, which, you know, we all mess up and I saw those numbers and I was devastated. Thinking to myself, why am I seeing 300 right now? I didn't go out and eat cupcakes for dinner. You know, I had a healthy dinner, a healthy meal, nothing's different. And uh, I corrected, I waited the three hours to see if anything happened. It literally did not budge at all. Like perfectly stable blood sugar lines at 300. And I, that's when I finger stuck myself with my finger pricker, uh, which I rarely ever use anymore because I'm on the Dexcom G6, right? Which is awesome. Woo. Uh, but it, I, my number when I took a finger stick was 340. I was like, what is going on? So before I gave another correction, I actually, my sight change was due. So I was like, all right, I'm going to change sights. That should help fix it, right? Put a new sight in, maybe it's going to change everything. So I went up, changed my sight, put it in my other leg, and uh, gave a correction immediately. Because I, I need to get my blood sugars down. This is horrendous. And of course, while I had been giving corrections, I was also going for walks, doing jumping jacks in the living room, chugging water taking a hot shower, doing whatever I could, any strategies that I've used in the past to get this number down because you do not want to hang out at 300. That is not good for your body. And so I, uh, I changed my sight to my other leg, gave the correction, took, you know, I waited 15-ish, 20 minutes because as we all know, the action time, uh, I'm sorry, the peak of a Humalog is usually an hour, but it starts working around 15 minutes. And so I waited about 20 minutes and then jumped in the shower and just hung out in there for a bit, trying to do whatever I could. Uh, my strategy behind hot showers is vasodilation. It opens up your body to allow the insulin to circulate a lot faster. Just doing whatever I could. I felt sick. I felt nauseous. Uh, I felt a little bit nervous. It felt like insulin was just water that I was pumping in my body. Nothing was working. And so, you know, I'm starting to feel defeated at this point, of course. And thinking back over the last two weeks, I, uh, I realized that, of course, the peak of insulin, my Humalog, since it's in my pump, is about an hour. And what I had been noticing through my journals of blood sugars and, and writing stuff down is that the peak that I was noticing was around two and a half hours. So in other words, I would skyrocket to 250, 270 and sit there until about two and a half hours after I bolused, and then it would come down. But then and only then. The only reason, or the only way that I could avoid that was to have a massive pre-bolus, eat super slow, and be active after my meal, which is ridiculous. That's, it takes up your whole day if that's what you have to do to keep normal blood sugars, right? Because it takes over an hour for each meal. I have to be active after my meal, and uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. So. Thinking back over why my peak insulin, or the peak of my insulin was so far behind, I thought maybe, just maybe, it's the insulin's fault. And it's not me, maybe my insulin went bad. So unfortunately I didn't think about that before I changed my sight. So I filled the new tubing up, put my new sight in, gave a correction with the same vial, and during the correction, my, uh, my pump had an occlusion, which means that the insulin was not flowing through the tubing, and it, it alarmed, it said it didn't work, 
So I only got about one third of that correction. I, and it said to go change your site again. I'm like, okay, great. I'll go change it again. But then I had a thought, right? I was like, okay, this is my chance. I can um, change my insulin as well as my site. So it gave me the opportunity that I needed to change out the insulin. Uh, I changed it out, gave the rest of that correction, because I was still at 300 or 340 according to my, my finger test. And I, I waited to see what happened. That was at about 10 o'clock. I wanted to see if it came down. I didn't want to go to bed and wake up at 300 again and have eight plus hours in the 300s. It's terrible. And so I, uh, I gave my correction. I stayed up till about one in the morning. And at one, I was at 280 barely did anything. So in my head, it probably stopped it from going higher and it brought it down a little bit, but obviously not nearly enough. Uh, but it did come down a little bit, which was better than the last two corrections because the other insulin obviously was not working for me. And so I brought this, uh, this new knowledge to the table. I gave another correction and I set an alarm on my phone for, was it 3.30 in the morning? Because I gave it at one Two and a half hours go by, I should be heading down towards normal blood sugars. And if I'm not, something's wrong. I need to uh, you know, check for ketones, make sure I'm not going into diabetic ketoacidosis or DKA, and uh, I need to figure out what's going on with my insulin, my pump sites, and all that, and consider a manual injection. So, set my alarm, blood sugars finally came back down. I was so relieved. Um, I think when I, I woke up to check them, they were at like, 95 or something or 110 it was it was just such a beautiful sight to see after having weeks of that and uh, Seeing the steep drop-off from when good insulin actually hit my system, but uh, I messaged my endo a couple days before that and asked for um, You know my new prescriptions and all of that and she was like actually I need to see you because you haven't been in this year. <laughs> now, she knows that my A1Cs are always rock solid, and I'm always, you know, relatively in range, and I'm a very responsible diabetic, and so she doesn't worry too much about me. She says, as long as you come in every once in a while, check up, and I can have a chat with you, we're good. You can make your own decisions on ratios and all that kind of stuff, uh, which is cool, but she was like, you know, I have to see you at least once a year if you want your prescriptions, and so it's like, all right, fine. So I set my appointments and all of that, but then after seeing that 300, that 340, my mindset surrounding the A1C was like, gosh, crap, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I wanna go and get my A1C checked. Because if I do, A, it's gonna be on my medical record forever. Like, that number is in the system, right? If I'm at some ridiculous number, I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna feel really bad about myself. I'm gonna take it personally. I'm gonna have an emotional reaction. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not a perfect robot that <laughs> can just focus on data all the time. Uh, I know I preach that a lot. You know, see blood sugar numbers as data, not as something that you should react to. Uh, but sometimes it is difficult to do that. And I try to practice what I preach, um, but I was having a hard time. I wanna be completely honest with you guys, uh, which I always am, and I pride myself on being open and honest with you with my stories because diabetes, it sucks sometimes. Um, it sucks a lot of the time. But uh, we deal with it, right? Anyways, with my A1C, I had decided in my head, essentially, that I was not going to get my A1C checked in, it was like in a couple days, uh, because I, I had a thought that two weeks of being high was going to wreck it. You know, seeing 300 and 340, I didn't want to risk ruining 
a good run, right? I don't want to have all these great A1Cs in a row and then one bad one and then back in range. Uh, you know, my endo would probably want to see me more often and have a chat with me. Um, I would have to admit to myself that I didn't have this great track record going on anymore. You know, I, I'd break the streak, basically. And I struggled with that. I was, I was actually worried about getting a not great A1C. And uh, I, I had almost convinced myself that I was not going to get it checked. I had an appointment, but in my head I'm like, it doesn't make sense to go. I know I'm a good diabetic. I don't want to go and see bad numbers. I just, I can't. And I had to talk to myself and, and realize that, A, practice what you preach, dude. It's just a number. Now, A1C is a great tool for understanding what's going on inside of you, but it's also not the greatest way to measure yourself. And I thought to myself, what is one of the greatest ways to measure my success surrounding blood sugars? It's time and range. And so within time and range, um, I, I took a look at my clarity report and, and before those two weeks hit, I was in range something like 90% of the time. So I was like, do I really have anything to worry about? You know, two weeks, sure, they were terrible. I felt sick almost every day. It, it was just a struggle for me. But seeing time and range sitting around 90%, I was like, you know what? I might be okay. I might be all right to uh, to run with this. And so I, I also thought to myself, I need to, well, I need to get it done, ultimately. I need to buck up, go to my lab report, get it done, and uh, and deal with it, whatever those consequences may be, and, and make sure that I'm not treating that as an emotional reaction, but I'm seeing it as a data point, right? Understand that those two rough weeks were most likely due to bad insulin. And that was not my fault. And I, that's one message I want to preach loud and clear is that there are so many variables with diabetes and, and management of this disease that even if you wanted to blame yourself for everything, you can't logically blame yourself for everything. There are hormones being released in your body that you cannot always control. There are bad insulin vials. There are stressful situations. There are sleepless nights. There are so many things that go into this that you cannot control. And so I want to preach first and foremost that that number that you see, whether it's an A1C or a blood sugar reading or your time and range, it is not always your fault. And I'm sure on the opposite end of the spectrum, you've also seen good numbers and been like, I have no idea how I got that good blood sugar number. I ate like crap. That should have been a 400 and I'm seeing 120. Cool. Kudos to me. Uh, I'm going to roll with that because who knows the, uh, the diabetes police were off duty. I don't know, whatever, you know, what I'm talking about, you've seen the numbers that don't make sense and you're happy about it. But unfortunately, sometimes you see numbers that don't make sense and they are rough to see. So ultimately I decided I I'd go for it and I went in to get my A1C and, uh, it was, it was tough for me to, to go in there knowing that I might break my streak, knowing that I might see an, a number that would kind of throw me for a little bit of a loop. But ultimately, and uh, this isn't, this won't be expected for everyone, but ultimately I, I got the A1C done and it came back at a pretty darn good number. Uh, I'm not going to discuss that on here. I don't want you to compare yourself to me. I don't think that's healthy, but uh, it, it's, 
it was actually better than my last A1C <laughs> uh, by one point. And um, now I'm thinking in my head, man, if I had just stayed in range and, and used good insulin for the last two weeks, I could have had like a new record A1C. Like, okay, get out of that mindset, Matt. You should never think about A1Cs as trying to achieve a new record. Uh, that gets dangerous, that can be unhealthy. Uh, I've shared in my story before that before I was aware of, well, I was aware of the risks, let's be real. Uh, I used to sit in low blood sugars for hours because I knew that the average was being brought down by a low blood sugar. So, and this is a terrible thing to do. Do not do this ever. But, you know, when I was the irresponsible diabetic back, you know, years ago, I would see a 300 reading and later in the day, I might be sitting in the 40s or 50s shaking and my wife's like, Matt, she can hear my Dexcom going off, right? Matt, you gotta take care of that, right? And I'm like, nah, nah, it's fine. I. I need to lower my A1C. And I'm like shaking, I'm suffering. It's a terrible strategy. And so, um, essentially, get your A1Cs checked. Um, it is just a number. It's a great number to measure your progress by, but it should not be a number that you emotionally react to. It should simply be a data point, right? And so I want to encourage you, first of all, first and foremost, that not all of the variables that exist in diabetes management are, are controlled by you. A lot of them are outside of your control. And even if you can control them, good luck controlling them all at once, right? There are so many variables that you have to be constantly thinking about every single possibility and realm within diabetes itself just to control all of them. That's not even realistic. So even if you could control all of them, it still wouldn't be realistic to expect that of you. So, understand, sometimes things happen. Sometimes you get bad insulin and it sucks. And uh, that's where the, the problem solving comes in. That's where analytics, right? We think over, uh, what did I eat last? Have I exercised recently? What's been going on in my life? Am I extra stressed? Am I sick? Uh, am I drinking enough water? There's so many variables that I could list off right now. But essentially, that's why we think back. That's why we log things in our journals, right? Or at the very least, why we keep our clarity reports handy, or our blood sugar readings, why we test consistently and have those blood sugars to look back over and say, hey, I've been running high for like two weeks. What gives? And then it's because of that, right? Because of seeing my average blood sugars be a lot higher than they usually are, that I was aware, okay, maybe I need to change my site. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, maybe I need to change my insulin. Ah, that did work. And of course, before that, what did I eat? Have I been exercising? Have I been sleeping? There's a lot of things that go into this, and it's important to be aware of them, but also not to obsess over them. And so, uh, while I, I wanted to be real with you, that I was nervous to get my A1C, I still went for it, right? I still overcame that, and I decided it was important for me to go get that A1C, not just because I needed to go because my endo told me to, but also for myself, to prove to myself that it's not going to affect my entire life, right? It's not going to destroy me if that A1C comes back as not perfect, right? And so, just to realize that while diabetes sucks, you got this, and uh, it is just a number, but I know it's a struggle too. So. I wanted to share that story with you. If any of you are struggling with A1Cs, with blood sugars, uh, or burnout at all, understand it's, it's not talked about a lot, obviously, but it's more common than you think. 
and uh, you're not alone in this. So I want to encourage you with this episode to get back on the horse, climb back on, crawl back on, whatever you got to do, get back on the horse and, uh, and see it through. You got this. It's a tough, tough ride. But uh, again, I love saying this quote so much by Viktor Frankl. When we can no longer change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Work on yourself first. I know you can do this. You are all so much stronger than you realize. I hope this uh, episode has been, at the very least, inspirational. And uh, I hope you pulled something good from it. Have an awesome rest of your day, guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, I'll catch you guys in the next episode. Keep up the fight. Now, this episode was sponsored by the Warriors Tribe, an online community for people living with diabetes that was created and developed for growth and support as we learn to live with this disease day in and day out. Now, we've never released this to the general public before, and this is the first time you have a chance to get in ahead of the rush. So go join the waitlist at membership.ftfwarrior.com to be the first to know when those doors open and get priority access. All right, guys, hope you found some great value in this episode. Keep up the fight.